are entering into a season. This is the Lenten season. So as we do that, I want to mention just a couple of things about this season. Uh, this is primarily a season of, of reflection. As we look at where we have been, where we are in our journey, it's also a time of formation, and for many it's a time of preparation. We approach these 40 days of Lent from a lot of different places in our journey. Some folks are, are, are relatively new to the journey, so for them, maybe this is one of those exciting, I'm learning more about my faith, this is cool, what is Lent, what, what do you mean, I, no chocolate, what, what's that, you know, <laughs> or, or whatever, or no Mountain Dew. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, 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 so it's that time of learning that, that this is a season to draw near to God, to give something up or to pick something up, to give something up that reminds us to seek him or to pick something up that draws us nearer to him. Or maybe you've been around for a while and this is, you know, you've been through uh, quite a few Lenten seasons, but God has been tapping on you, right? He's been tapping on you about something. He's been going, like, okay, I got this calling for you and you may or may not know what it is, but it's time, and in your heart, there's this stirring going on. It's like, okay, God is drawing me into something. I, I, may, I don't know if I can do it, but, but he's pulling me that way. And this season is a time to, to pray about that and to reflect on that and to be prepared for the answering the calling that he has for you. Here at Arbor Point, our purpose is to inspire people to fulfill God's calling in their life. In other words, to help lead people from where they are to where God would have them to be. That's, what, that's, that's our purpose statement here at the church, we want to be a church that helps people to become who they are, not for us, but for God's glory. And maybe, you know, you've just been, you know, this is like, okay, Lent's here again, so, you know, it's one of those kind of things, uh, and you've been through it so many times, but it's just a natural part of your journey, and it, and it is a time for you to reflect and, and to look at where you are and where you're supposed to be with God. Now, this Lenten season, we're going to be, well, before I get to, to that, I, you know, I do want to remind you, March 13th, this Wednesday, we are going to start our Circle Maker prayer group, and I encourage, you know, my challenge has been that you give up an hour to an hour, that's an hour at least, you know, we meet at 6.30 in the Grove, it goes till 7.30, usually goes to about 7.45, really, but I encourage you to come. You know, we're going to circle the prayers of the congregation here. And there are some sheets in the back. If you haven't turned one in, we, we would love to be praying for, the, for that which you are praying for as we come together. Now, in this season, I'm going to be using something that's called the lectionary. How many of you all know what the lectionary is? Yeah, not very many. Okay. <laughs> um, the lectionary is kind of a preacher's helper kind of thing. It's in a three-year rotation. It gives us some ideas, some scriptures, some, uh, some ideas for music and that kind of thing. And this year, I, I, by the way, I'm rarely, I rarely use it because I like to kind of do my own thing. So <laughs> but it's a great pattern in, this, uh, for in a, lot of, a lot of times. So when I was looking at the Lenten series that they have, and it's called Return to Me with All Your Heart. And I was like, yeah, that's what we want to be about. We want to be about returning to God. That's what this season is, is, is where am I and, and where do I need to be and how do I return to where God would have me. And today we're going to be talking about God's generous heart. And each week we'll have a new focus on this theme of return to me with all your heart. You see, in this season, new and long-time Christian, it doesn't matter where you are in your journey, we're challenged to hear the, God, the call of God to return 
to him with all our heart, not just with our head, but with our heart to go deeper. In the early days of the church, and, and even now, this was a season that was characterized by prayer and fasting. This is a time of prayer and fasting. That, well, that's a tool for us to draw near to him. It was a time of learning. The catechumenates, there's a word for you, would, would, would come together. They would be taught. The Have you heard of catechism? You know, that's the, the you know, where, where you're taught the, you know, confirmation is what we would call it in, in the Methodist world. But this is a season that, of confirmation and uh, of learning, and, then, and, and these works would prepare you for your baptism on the Easter Sunday. It's called the Easter Vigil, which is early Sunday, and you would be baptized on, on Easter morning. These, this has been going on for hundreds and hundreds of years. This has been a process in the church, and we have a strong process in the church that draws us near and helps us to grow, to become, to fulfill the purpose statement of, of, that we have here, which is to live out your calling, to, be, you know, to fulfill the calling that God has for you. In Wesleyan theology, John Wesley is kind of the inadvertent founder of Methodism, and, uh, and in his theology, we believe that all work, all this work is initiated by God. We believe that grace comes before, and God invites us to return to him with all our hearts. Now, during this season as well, just to, and, and I won't spend as much time with this as we go forward, but, but we're going to have one primary Old Testament passage and one primary New Testament passage, and my prayer for us in this season is that we be challenged to reflect on and to, and, to, and to look at our commitment level. Where are we in our walk, and where would God have me to be? If you're here on Ash Wednesday, there's a passage from Joel 2.12, and it's where this comes from, this, the, the idea of return to me with all your heart. It comes from Joel 2.12, because that's what God was telling the prophet Joel. Now, you've heard a couple of times, I guess, the Deuteronomy passage. This is our Old Testament passage. I'm going to spend a little bit more time with that. Uh, so here it's from Deuteronomy 26, beginning at verse 1. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God... Oh, by the way, count how many Lord your gods are in this, not just, just for emphasis. I never did that, and I meant to do that, so help me out. I know Teresa will. All right. When you have come into the land that the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance to possess, and you possess it and settle in it, you shall take some of the first of all the fruit of the ground which you harvest from the land that the Lord your God is giving you, and you shall put it in a basket and go to the place that the Lord your God will choose as a dwelling for his name. You shall go to the priest who is in office at that time and say to him, Today I declare that the Lord your God, that I have come into the land that the Lord swore to your ancestors to give us. When the priest takes the basket from your hand and sets it down before the altar of the Lord your God, you shall make this response before the Lord your God. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. He went down into Egypt and lived there as an alien, few in number, and there he became a great nation, mighty and populous. When the Egyptians treated us harshly and afflicted us by imposing hard labor on us, we cried to the Lord your God, our God of our ancestors, the Lord heard our voice and saw our affliction, our toil, and our oppression. The Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Hey, there's a song in that. The mighty hand and outstretched arm with a terrifying display of power and with signs and wonders. He brought us into this place and gave us this land. It was a land flowing with milk and with honey. So now I bring the first of the fruit of the ground that you, O Lord, have given me. So you shall set it down before the Lord your God and bow down before the Lord your God. Then you together with the Levites and the aliens who reside, am reside among you shall celebrate with all the bounty that the Lord your God has given to you and to your house. I think there's a focus here on the Lord your God. Did you get it? 
That one, yeah. Oh, not the last, last one. Ten. Ten larger guys. There's a, this is a, a, a passage of 11. That's like one per verse, right? So there's a focus here on the, on, on the Lord. And as the first Sunday of Lent arrives, we find ourselves with the Israelites. We're at the border. We're, we're, we're with the ancient Israelites. We're looking into the land. We're looking across. Into, we're at the edge of the wilderness. We're, we're looking with great anticipation toward the promised land. It's out here. We can see it. We see what's in front of us. Just in front of us is, is the Jordan River Valley. It's beautiful. We see the river. We see the land. And we're ready, right? This is the river, by the way, that, that, that Jesus, is, is his, his cousin, John the Baptizer, is going to baptize him in in a few centuries. This same place, it marks the boundary and the entrance into a land flowing with God's presence, flowing with God's promise. We can see it. We can anticipate it. And as we begin our journey into the wilderness, I want you to have this anticipation in, the, in this Lenten season. That we're journeying into the, we don't know where Lent's going. It's a wilderness of sorts. But we're journeying into the wilderness of Lent. And we're reminded that we're asked to wander these 40 days. We, though we are asked to wander them, it's not aimless. It's not aimless wandering. The Israelites did their aimless wandering. That's not us. That's not us. Our promised land lies in our rising with Christ. It's a huge promise for us. And so as we go in this season, we need to remember. You know, we need to explore with the wilderness. We need to explore what's going on in our hearts. We need to explore what's going on in our minds. We need to explore all of those things. We will need God's mighty hand and outstretched arm to give direction to us on the journey, on our sojourn. We're going to be reminded over and over again of who we are. And whose we are. And that's part of this journey. Don't let, it, as you're analyzing, as you're looking at, at where you are and where God would have you to be, don't lose sight. Don't lose sight of who you are, your identity. You are no longer a slave to fear. For I am a child of God. That's our identity. Don't let, you know, yeah, there's going to be a lot to look at, but don't, you are a child of God, Imago Dei, made in his image. It's incredible who you are. Don't let this season or any season rob you of who you are. Our passage today has a lot of themes in it. There's a lot that, that we could look at, and they're and easy to connect to this season of Lent. They talk, talked in the passage about being in the wilderness, talked about the journey, the difficulties, the sacrifices, uh, to name just a few, any of those themes would work for today. Any of those themes would be fertile ground to grab hold of and to look at, okay, where's God's generous heart in that? You know, because that's what we want to do is see where God's generous heart is. And perhaps one idea speaks more loudly to you than others in that, and that's good. This morning, though, for me, I, I, I wanted to have Corey get hit on this a little bit. Uh-oh, you're going to have to help me. There it is. This commandment of, of the heart strikes me the most, which is to remember. You know, the Greek word for, for remembering is anamnesis. And it really, what it means is to call to mind. See, our story as a people of God is rooted in, 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 this, in this history that we have. It's not just our history. We have a history that goes way back. It's a history that's rooted in the, in the call to do and to remember who we are. At the heart of this reading, we find a story that the Israelite people 
are asked to repeat over and over again when they bring their first fruits to the, to the Levites, to the priests. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. That's how it starts. Their story begins. A wandering Laban and, and Jacob, a wandering Aramean was my ancestor. It's a reminder that even when they've inhabited the land for a long time, even when, they, when, when, when things are going better, when they come to the temple with their arms filled with the fruit of their harvest, when, it's, when they have an abundance, they never forget to whom the land truly belongs and the story of how they came to be. How many times? Ten, the Lord your God. Whose land is it? The Lord your God. It's to remind them because it's real easy. And that, fortunately, we're really good at, at, at giving glory to God. And we don't forget that all that we have is gift from him, right? Wrong. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we do tend to, to, to forget that everything that we have is given to us because of the grace and the glory of God. But they start every time when they bring their first fruits in. A wandering Aramean was my ancestor. And that's a story that grounds them in the struggle. It grounds them in the tale of survival. Even when they get comfortable, even when, when they're tempted to forget that it's God from whom all blessings flow, this, they go before the priest, they bring in their offering, and they go, a wandering Aramean was my ancestor. We come from this rootless people. We come from nomadic and dispossessed people. And even as generation after generation puts down their roots, even, even as they settle in the land, this story just connects them to the fabric of the past. And the work of remembering the past calls us to present action, always. So, you know, the past points us in a direction. So as they recite the wa the wander my, my ancestors, the wandering Aramean, it calls to mind that at some point all of us have been hungry. At some point, all of us have been rootless wanderers dependent upon one another. It might not be us. You know, I, that wasn't me, but I have ancestors somewhere in my history. You know, we came over from Ireland in 1859. We were wandering. You know, it's a famine. We didn't have food in Ireland, so, so, so I have an ancestor who came. And then he moved out to California, you know, Massachusetts to California. I, ha I have a wandering Aramean in, in, in my history. You know, we weren't, we were rootless. We didn't have a place, and, and now I do. So, so that connection is important for me to know so, so that I can grab hold of that. And it's important for you to know you have a connection with God. God has you in the palm of his hands. He's with you. See, their story is our story. Their story is our story. Their call is our call to make a difference, and that call comes out of the generous heart of God. When we talk about the generous heart of God, he has a plan for you. God is for you. He just loves you, and that call is to embody justice and joy. So, so my, my, my 412 youth guys can tell you all about this passage, right? Micah 6, 8. What is it? It's about, it's on the screen if you want to cheat. What, what's it talk about? Do justly, walk humbly with your God. Love mercy. Do justice, love mercy, walk humbly with your God. We spent a lot of time with this in, in 412 because of what we were doing with World Vision. We talk often about the difference between providing mercy, right, which is feeding people, which is providing clothes, which is um, uh, 
encouragement, support, just providing for them. It, it's not asked for, and it's just, you know, you just give them something. So justice, though, is dealing with the circumstances that bring that about. So mercy is providing for, and justice is dealing with the causes. One of the reasons we partnered with World Vision is that they're an organization that certainly feeds families, and we, and we came into that with the, with the plan that we, or the goal of feeding one child for a year. We're going to end up feeding two children for a year because of uh, for 12 years. And, and that's a praise. That's a praise God because that's the big deal. There's, there's going to be two kids that get to eat. You know, that's, that's a big deal. You know, but World Vision doesn't just do mercy. They also are involved in, in, in teaching farming and distribution so that they can not just provide mercy but also provide justice. It's acting on both ends of that. And in our passage, we recognize that all things come from God. It's, you know, the Lord your God's in there ten times for a reason. We embrace that we're reliant upon him. And that is the humility that that passage talks about. When I'm humble enough to acknowledge and to live into where God would have me to be. Our text out of Deuteronomy, what does Deuteronomy mean? The fifth book. We looked that up one, one morning. We thought it was going to be something really dramatic, and it really has the fifth book of the Bible. Okay, thanks. <laughs> Deuteronomy ends with a celebration, ends with a feast. And it's where those who cannot or do not own land will feast with those they do. This is a precursor to the Christian church. See, the priests, the Levites, they didn't have land. There were 12 tribes in Israel. The Levites were one of those tribes, the tribe of Levi. They were the priests, and they didn't, weren't given land. Everybody else had land. So they were provided for. This first fruits thing was how they ate. This was how they were provided for. But it includes the immigrants. And if you extend the reading a little bit more in that Deuteronomy passage, it talks about the widows and orphans being included as well. It's a journey that ends up with all being fed. What does all mean? All means all. See, this is the problem. We talk about the promise, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. This is what it is. It's all are fed. This is the promised land as heaven come to earth. There's, this is a remembrance with an empathic purpose because we care. We want to we make a difference. We're able to recall that connection to our own vulnerability and our own sojourning. And our past connects us to help others who may be in that same circumstance today because we want to be about making a difference. There are... It's too easy to exclude, and we want to include, right? We want to include those who have too little joy. We want to include those here that have too little compassion, haven't experienced compassion, or haven't experienced kindness in a way that will move their hearts. And when, when we remember, when we look back and we remember and we connect that, that we are them and they are us, powerful things can happen in our hearts and in their hearts. Our hearts and our tables both become more generous and more open. We recognize the gifts that we've been given because you are gifted. And suddenly our hearts begin to look more like God's heart. Isn't that what we want? I want my heart to look like God's heart. I want my table to look like Christ's table. Uh, it draws us near into something we've been talking about all year, to be one as the Father and Son are one. There's a tapestry that's being wi woven together in this with Scripture and the Spirit, and we want, to, we want to embrace that. Do this in remembrance of me. Christ is saying, remember me. Remember where I come from. Tell my story. Eat this bread and drink this cup. 
tell my story. Share all that you are and all that, that you have in my name. Grab hold of it. Live it. Share it. Be who you are, but be who you are for God's glory. Uh, the New Testament passage out of Romans, and, and it begins with, The word is near you, it is in your mouth and in your heart. The message concerning faith that we proclaim. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. Anyone. That all again. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. No difference between Jew and Gentile. No difference between white and black. No difference between male. There's no difference. God came for us all. The same Lord is Lord of all, and all means all. And He richly blesses all, and all still means all. All who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You know what everyone kind of can be? All, all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on the name of the Lord. First Timothy 2.4, he desires, God's desire is for each of us to be saved. The desire of his heart. Paul tells us how it happens in the Romans passage. What you do, you believe in your heart, but you profess your faith with your mouth. And that's how that happens. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God wants salvation. He wants resurrection, redemption. He wants that in your life. This is the generous heart of God, all. He wants everyone to experience him. His pursuit of you, by the way, has gone on since before you were born. Jeremiah 31.3. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. You know what everlasting means? Forever. But you know, it also means before. God has loved you since before. God has loved you since before you were born. God loves you now and will continue to love you forever. He's, a, he's in pursuit of you. He has a pursuit and a love that has been everlasting. And the promise is one of faithfulness. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. I love that he declares it. Declares the Lord. He's saying, I give it to you. I promise you. You want to pray a promise? Grab this passage and start grabbing it and praying it. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. He has a plan for you, and that includes in this season of Lent. My, my prayer for all of us is that we're open enough to hear it. We're open enough to hear where he would have us to be. So as you do your reflection, as you do your assessment of where you are and where God would have you, please also know this. God is with you. God is for you. In fact, God is ahead of you because God, God loves you. God loves you. Period. Drew Ray. Katie. He even loves Jonathan. Kidding. No, not that he loves you. He does love you. <laughs> because of his great love for us. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. You don't have to get better and come. It's by grace you have been saved. God raised us up with Christ, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. And I love this passage. This is Ephesians 2, 8. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God. Not by works, 
so that no one can boast. And he probably could have added, so that you don't think you have to earn it, because you don't. It is a gift. And then one of my very favorite scripture passages, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. And I, that word, handiworks, has been translated many different ways. And, and what it said, it's for we are God's handiwork. We are God's workmanship. And my other favorite is we are God's masterpiece. You are the masterpiece of God. How many people look in the mirror and go, oh, I am a masterpiece? Yeah, not, not easy, right? God sees you, and he says, you're my masterpiece. It's incredible. Created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. God prepared in advance for your calling. That means that God is there already. God is there already. I was, um, want to tell just a, a story as we begin to wrap up this, this, the message. I was struggling one day with everything going on in my life and what God would have me to do. And, and, and it was one of, you ever do complaining prayer? You know, I did. It was one of those. It was, it was a complaining prayer and it was, you know, it was kind of reached the point of being, <laughs> yeah, lament. Yeah, there you go. There, there's a good word for it. Yeah, that's the Christian word, you know. Um, I was lamenting. <laughs> I was whining is what I was doing. Is what, you know, and as I prayed, though, I got this sense that kind of came on me, and it was like, Mike, you should just quiet down and listen for a change. And, uh, and as I did, I saw this picture in my mind. It was a picture of me. I, I was on a path, and I was climbing a mountain, and I was struggling to get up it, and I was kind of making my way. You know, I was tired. I was worn out. And as I came around a corner, I, I saw this huge boulder. <laughs> and on top of the boulder, sitting with his legs dangling, as you know how, how you sit with your legs dangling, well, that, that Jesus was on the boulder with his legs dangling. And you know what, he, you, know what you have to do with your le- when you have dangling legs, right? So th- the picture in my mind is Jesus kind of, this big old smile on his face, just kind of, you know, sitting on that boulder with his legs swinging back and forth. And I looked at him, and I must have had some kind of a look because he had a response for me. And he, he, you know, just that smile, he said, are you ready to let go yet? Are you ready to let go yet? And it was in that moment that I realized that in my journey, I had a lot of I in it. You know, I was working really hard. I was doing a lot of good stuff. And they were good stuff. It wasn't, you know, I was doing some good things. But there wasn't much rest in it because you know who was doing it. I was doing it. And I I heard it in my mind that that same, are you ready to let go yet? And I kind of slumped down on, on the ground and I felt the weight of the world on me. And Jesus stopped his leg swinging and hopped off the rock. And he came over to me and he picked up that weight. And he walked off down a path with two words. Follow me. Follow me. So I did. I got up and I followed him down that path. And I'd love to tell you that I've been able to kind of be free of burdens ever since. 
I still have that thing in me that wants to do and, and thinks that I have to do all this stuff, so I grab stuff back. But I know that if I follow him, I don't have to have a machete to cut through the brush, you know, because he'll lead me on a path. Will it always be in in easy? No. Our Christian, our Christian journey is one of the most difficult things that there is, you know, to follow Christ in many ways because the world wants us to do other things. But man, when we get it simple and keep it right and we just follow him, it's powerful and it's amazing. And here's what's important, you know, what was really important for me then and remains so now is I don't have to do this alone. I don't have to walk alone. Am I ready to let go yet? I don't have to be more than I am. That's entirely up to me. And it's entirely up to you. This season, maybe, there are some things that you need to let God carry. Now, as an aside, and to be completely honest, that's a probably not a maybe, but, but we'll keep it under the maybe. There are probably some things, or maybe some things that you need to let go of. And in this season, there may be some things that God wants you to pick up. By the way, that's another probably, that God, there probably are some things that God wants you to pick up. But we'll keep it a maybe, because this is a season of reflection. And, and, and it's a season of, of embracing a journey. God loves you with an everlasting love. With a generous love. How about we let him?